Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Welcome to the Living Free Show on 3CR Community Radio, 855kHz on your AM dial. I'd like to acknowledge the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, traditional owners of the land from which 3CR transmits people-powered radio. Hi, I'm Bill, and each week on the Living Free Show, we showcase one of the 12-step programs that assist in recovery from drugs, alcohol, gambling and food addictions. Our guests share their recovery story and highlight that shared experience saves lives. For the next hour, my guests will be sharing their journey of recovery from the effects of someone else's alcoholism in their family. I'd like to welcome Margaret to the show. Hi, Margaret. Hi, Bill. Uh, Margaret's a member of Alan Family Groups, and she'll share her experience on how Alan has helped her cope with the family disease of alcoholism. Margaret, we usually start off talking about growing up in the family. So what was your family like? Was it affected by drinking or drugs? No, drinking. Drinking, okay. So who was the drinker in your family? My father. And was he a heavy drinker? Um, I would say... When I was a young child, um, I mean, there was always alcohol there. I lived on a farm when I was growing up until I was 13 years old and I was the eldest of six children. So um, my dad, you know, was a good, hard-working man um, and the six children, you know, that came along very quickly when my mother came home from hospital with the sixth child baby, I was seven. Um, with the drinking, it was always there. Um, and my, if we went to visit, um, you know, it was, and being farm life was, you know, long hours and all of that. And dad would, you know, have his drinks with our mainly friends or uh, relatives and then if he went to the hotel for the day um, I would say he probably was in some ways from you know what I've learned in recovery I would say he was sort of a more of a a bit of a binge drinker if he got the chance he would sort of um, you know, drink uh, more in those occasions at home. Probably just a, you know, a bottle. I don't even know. I can't remember whether he was a daily drinker or whether, you know, someone came to visit. Um, There would always be alcohol. But my father was never, like I said, he was a hard-working man. Um, He wasn't um, a fall-down drunk or anything like that um he was a responsible man so yes and then my mother you know reacted um to the drinking and mainly when he had been out for the day she would be looking out the window um you know for when he was when he would be coming home because like I said I think he was you know the binge probably got once he got the you know, a taste of it, him maybe having a good time and away from the family and the, you know, the farm. It was probably an outlet, but um, yeah, my mum, you know, the drinking really affected my mum. I mean, you know, as being the eldest child myself, I, my mother confided in me a lot. I don't remember her sort of, you know talking to me a lot but was just the her reaction you know reacting to my father um, when he came home I think uh, again from myself being in recovery I think she probably provoked my dad and you know uh, things like that and that's probably what I picked up and learnt in my own um experience and took that behaviour into my later years of my life. So were there a lot of fights at home? Um, on and off, on and off, because, I mean, it was a pretty busy, pretty busy life. My mum, we were on a farm and um, no electricity. Like we had, um, 
you know, 32 volt plant um, and shorter water. So it was a very, dad was very busy out on the farm and mum was very busy looking after six children. Um, so I wouldn't say it was, I think my father also um, suffered, well, it's hard for me to look back, but my father held a grudge and I, it's, that's a, quite a long story about his elder brother. My father had been to war. He was a prisoner of war. Um, he was on the Burma Railway for three years. And when he came home, because his father had a big farm, the brother's sons were supposed to get land and the elder son got land and dad didn't. He, and he ended up getting a soldier settlement block. And he held a grudge and, and was probably a resentment, as I know today. Um, but he got on with life on his own farm. But neither, I think, from what, you know, over the years, as you grow up, um, Dad, um, I don't think he ever got over that. Um, and also... There was obviously, you know, underlying problems, which I'll probably never know, um, you know. And mum, the same, she was a city girl, came to the, met my father, you know, just when dad had just come home from the war and, and she met him, I think, through one of her sisters or something in the city. And she did not like the country. So um, even though, you know, I mean, we weren't... A, we were very, very well looked after children, um, very well fed, clothed, and um, all of those things. We didn't, uh, I mean, I'm not saying we weren't, um, we, we weren't well off, but my parents made sure that we had those things, a roof over our head, a home, and um, we were clothed and always food on the table so you know my father he there would have been years on the farm where it wasn't so financially successful because as we know with the um, climate but um, us children um, weren't neglected in that area at all. Yeah I understand that the soldier settler farms weren't particularly good farming areas is that the case? Um, yes the farm my dad had, um, he, it was a dairy farm and he made it, you know, a nice farm. There was probably going back in, I know it's hectares now, but acres, probably 100 acres of that was um, what you call landslide, which wasn't really good farming area. He used to just put the dry cattle over there um, but he he um, he was a good farmer. He he you know from when he was born he was born on a farm and his father and mother had a lovely farm of beef cattle and dairy and sheep. So he was very uh, like I said a very hard working man and he was a good he was a good farmer. Um, he you know he he did his best. Yeah. Uh, so um, what was it like for you going to school? Was that difficult school, on a farm? Not in... We had a school, a state school, which, you know, I could ride my bike and my other siblings um, just up the road. When I went to secondary school, yes, that was difficult because we were three miles from the main highway and my mother used to drive me there and we used to travel 36 miles to the... Secondary school I went to in the country um, and I did that for one and a half years and then um, my mother my mother got sick, very sick. She actually nearly died and um, my father <clears throat> made the decision that he would, um, we would all move to Melbourne and he would put a share farmer on but that... It, they did that and it was a very it was a very big move because my father being a farmer and my mother 
like I said, <clears throat> her health uh, and too, you know, I didn't really find out because I was just at high school, so I would have been only 13. Um, yes, I was 12 when mum was very sick. And we, you know, in those days, children, even though I was the eldest, uh, you were never and told the full um, story of what, I mean, I know knew what had happened, but not that she could have died. But anyway, my father, made, they made the decision and we moved to Melbourne when I was 13 years old. And that was, and then my mother got, she got better from that operation and, and then she had, then she was sick again. And um, when the year we moved to Melbourne and um, at uh, any rate, she had another major operation and um, we moved, we rented and then we bought a home. And then my father being a farmer, he had no um, qualification. Yes, he was a farmer. He was a very good with his hands and all of that, but he got labourers jobs. He was never without work. My mother never worked. Um, and again, he worked very hard. Um, and I, that year we moved to Melbourne, and of course my other siblings, and was only sort of a year's difference or 18 months between all of us, I went to three schools the year I moved to Melbourne. So by that time, and I, I like school at state school. I believe I was, you know, a reasonably, you know, bright student. Um, but I think um, when I, and even high school, I think I did struggle um, even the first year at secondary school. Um, I was the, always interested in that, but then when half a year at that school the next year in Form 2, it was called then, I, um, three schools, and by that time I had sort of met when we came to Melbourne, <clears throat> I had met girls who were older and, you know, at school and wherever else I met them. And um, I'd sort of lost interest in school. I um, mean, when we moved into the house, I was sent, I mean, the schools were good in those days. Um, and I was sent to a girls' school. But by the time I was 14 um, and my parents were struggling, with um, financially and I being the eldest like I said my mother confided in me so I was very aware of what um, was happening not not to the you know as far as what was spent the bill mortgage was paid and the bills were paid and but you know food and then there wasn't much left for much else um, so I left school at 14 yeah okay so did you have a lot of friends at school or was that difficult to make moving around so often? Um, I made, um, at the high school I went to when we first came to Melbourne, I had I made friends there. I kept in touch with a girl and when we moved into our house, which was you know, not that far away, and I used to, she'd left, she, I don't know where she'd left school too, and I used to go back down to her place on the weekends because when, once I left work, um, I still kept in touch with her. Um, a few other girls, yeah, I, but I think as I look back now, um, you know, over the years and through being in Al-Anon, um, we were, well, I, I was attracted, now that girlfriend, um, that I said we met at school and then when I, my parents moved into the house they bought, I used to go back down there on weekends. Now, both her parents, now I don't like, my my husband has never seek recovery and nobody in my family has. So I, both her parents were alcoholic and, you know, it, it was like when I, you know, think back like, I just, and I had very much what you would call, we both did, a free leg. We could do what we liked, um, you know, from a very early age. At the next school, I did have, yeah, I had a few girlfriends. Um, 
you know, um, and I like sport, always liked sport. Um, I probably, I could see when I look back, I probably didn't, probably not a lot of self-esteem. I probably knew by then there was my family, you know, was a little bit different and we were struggling. My parents, you know, even though we, our home was a nice little home we had and everything like that. Um, and I became quite rebellious. Um, and then when I left school and went to work, I was out and about um, and had quite a you know, few boyfriends and, and, you know, I liked dancing and all of those things. And I'd drink on the weekends. Um, and like I said, you know, you first opened, we first started talking, it was just a part of uh, life um, that we did. Um, but I always got to work. My father had a very strict um, work ethic. None of us children or siblings ever stayed home or ever went on um, benefits. We, we were always made, you know, to get to work. And we wanted to go to work because we, you know, like to have our own money and things like that, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, listen, we might take a short break there. Australian music needs your help. Music festivals, concerts and local gigs have been cancelled due to coronavirus. Artists, crew and music workers have lost their jobs and don't know when their next gig will happen. We're all facing the sound of silence. But you can help. Visit thesoundofsilence.com.au now. This is The Living Free Show on 3CR, 855 kilohertz on your AM dial and 3CR on digital radio. If you're interested in listening to one of our many podcasts, then either head to your preferred podcast platform or just Google 3CR Living Free. On our show's webpage, you'll find details about the Living Free show and how you can contact us. Alternatively, you can just call the 3CR office on 03 9419 8377 and leave us a message. Today I'm talking with Margaret about recovery from the family disease of alcoholism with the help of Alan and family groups. So Margaret, you're a rebellious youth, um, you're out at work at an early age, so what sort of work could you get? I work, I, well actually my first job I had and I had a, a hearing problem um, with my, I think it was um, my right ear, but I worked mining some children for a few months and then I got a job doing process work in a factory um, and then, oh, that's right, then I went and had my ear, <clears throat> an ear operation and I got quite a lot of my hearing back. Um, and then after that I got a job um, in retail and that's and then mainly retail and a couple of jobs in retail and then I went into um, supermarkets yeah and when I got when um, yeah when I met my husband I was in retail and then um, when I got married I was at supermarket yeah okay uh, well let's talk about relationships so how did you meet your husband I met him through a girl I worked with at the factory, yes. And, um, yeah, so, yeah, and we started going out. But like I said, I, I'd i had quite a few um, relationships prior to that. Um, I, I, you know, quite a not well, like I said, I was rebellious um, and I enjoyed well, I enjoyed drinking and I enjoyed I enjoyed dancing and parties um, and probably I was probably when I think back um, very lucky. I mean, I no didn't get into too much trouble as far as I think my drinking um, might have put um, some of them, my boyfriends off, but. Um, you know, at that time, being young, naive, 
all of those things. Um, and I only knew what I'd been from my parents and what I'd been brought up in. One night, I, one of my boyfriends said to me, which I was quite shocked, and I still remember that obviously to this day. So I was shocked, wasn't I? <laughs> he said to me, if you keep drinking like you do, um, you'll end up an alcoholic. And as a young girl, I mean, I was, I was probably 15. Um, yeah, that really stuck in my mind. Um, so, yes, and then I, um, yeah, it, it, that was because I knew nothing about, I mean, alcoholism. I mean, my father drank, yes, and most of his friends. And then up the road from where we lived on the farm, there were three brothers and they were alcoholics. And my mother was very concerned because there was, I've got four sisters that, you know, we were going to sort of get mixed up with that. I, I remember that very clearly. But, um, but like I said, I, you know, and being a young girl and that, but I, I only drank on the weekends. I didn't, you know, never drank at home or, or anything like that. I mean, it was there. Um, yeah. What did your mum think of your boyfriend who you eventually married? Um, she, my mother thought the world of him. Okay. Yes. Yes. So she, she, did, she didn't perceive a problem in the drinking given oh, she had no, so there much. Was, there was, no, because we would only drink, and I mean, uh, neither of us were, you know, money was in those days, um, back in the 60s. Um, you didn't, well, I didn't earn a, a lot of money and neither did he. And, I mean, we only probably, whatever we managed to buy, very little. And by that time, you know, I had probably grown up a bit and I wasn't as, you know, I was sort of in more of a, getting a bit more of a serious relationship, I suppose. And, um, yeah, it, it, yeah, no, it... it Mum wouldn't have seen um, wouldn't have seen me drinking only if um, and then as the years later and I can't remember my father as we got older um, there would be parties but she probably would never have seen me you know drinking to excess uh, so and she would never have seen my husband um, drinking either. Okay. So you got married fairly young. Yes, 18. 18, yep. Um, so did the drinking progress quickly after you got married or was it a fairly slow process? No, I didn't, I didn't drink at all um, after I got married. The only time I would have a drink would be if I had went to a party or a wedding um yeah i never and then my husband's drinking was a very slow um progression very slow and um i mean the drinking uh when i got i got married and i had my children i had one child and then four years later i had another child but um and of course like i said and then we we had you know no money or we just rented and then we, when um, we started saving for a home, um, we both worked very hard. So there, there was limited um, funds. My husband might have a bottle or two in the evening. I can't even remember whether it was daily um, because we, we were very, um, very responsible. And, um, and my mother-in-law, well, you know, parents in those days, your first, well, one of your priorities was you had to get a house. And um, I had my first child and then when I was able, I went back in the evening and my husband looked after our child and um, our son. And then, um, and then I decided to have another child and then I went back. Oh, that was just a night shift job and then I... I went back to work and then we saved very hard 
for a house, eventually got our house when our daughter was born. And um, life wasn't too bad. I mean, but I was probably, um, my husband was working long hours and I was, you know, on my own a lot uh, with my son and working. Um, yeah, and I could, probably was a bit lonely at times, but um, we got on pretty well. Um, nothing, you know. Uh, the drinking and the same like dad would always have a drink when we visited and my brother and my father um oh yeah I probably looked out a little bit where was it um yeah when we we used to because we were saving money so on the weekends we went nowhere because we were saving so on Saturday afternoon um I would go down to my mum and dad's and then my husband would be working and he'd probably come down to pick me up. And th so I started to notice um, Dad and my brother would go to the hotel and, of course, 6 o'clock closing. And um, they would come home and, you know, had quite a bit to drink. And Mum would start and argue with Dad. Dad was quite... Um, you know, he'd be happy <laughs> and, well, happy to a point and then mum would put his tea down and then they'd start arguing and then I think, you know, the tea would go on the floor with, or something. But dad, there was no physical violence, mainly verbal and that. And, the, you know, by this time my siblings were working or some had left school and going to work. And, and I started and I said to my husband, you know, I'm really a little bit sick of what happens at mum and dad's on Saturday nights. I think um, we'll stop going down there, whether whether I went home before they came home from the hotel. or Sometimes um, my husband would go too, but he, he, he couldn't sort of drink as much as my dad and my brother and there was a little bit of a joke or, you know, um, sort of, a bit of put down there, you know, you sort of remember these things and that, but uh, he never used to go that often because he'd been working all day and we were saving for a house. But, yeah, look, the drinking, you know, and, and mum, you know, and then, of course, you know, get back to, and then Sunday we'd go to Johnny's parents and his father used to have a drink, but and Johnny would probably, my husband would have a drink with him, but I never... Never drank. Once I had my children, uh, and, and any, I never, like I said, I only had a drink, never drank while I was pregnant or anything like that. Never, only if I went um, to a party or wedding or, or something like that. It wasn't, it, thank God, um, I didn't get addicted to it, yes. So it must have been difficult living with an alcoholic. So how... Did you find yourself trying to control his drinking? When we got our house and then um, he bought, um, he always wanted his own truck and um, <clears throat> that came about and um, he did that, we, he had that. And, and again, I, when I had my second child, I didn't go back to work until she was three and a half, I think, and I went back night shift. Um, and like I said, it was very slow progression. Um, he may call or have a drink um, at a club or hotel on the way home because, you you know, there was no point to follow for anything like that. But that didn't happen very often. And then um, we started um, going away, camping and uh, boating, and um, the, the drinking seemed to um, sort of escalate uh, more than... And, and again, um, yes, I I was, I was did start to um, drink because it was weekends and things like that and we were all having a, you know, probably was, you know, one, well, very good time in our lives um, and that was in the 70s and... Um, and life was going along pretty good. Um, but the alcohol was there always. And again, like I said, yes, I did start having a few myself when we were away camping. 
but still both of us um, were very responsible. Um, I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I suppose we argued about a few things. I Probably because I had a few too. It was when through the week, um, you know, it, it just probably to, it wasn't until sort of the late 70s, early 80s that probably noticed that it was becoming um, more of a problem to me and probably un, even didn't realise that it was out of out of hand. Um, and, uh, and then I think we had the, you know, I always worked, um, even though we had our house and, and then eventually we, you know, decided we'd get a bigger one. So, um, yeah, we both always worked, we're responsible, but the drinking was always there. Um, not a problem to me until I think what escalated everything was, like I said, life was good, going away, blah, blah, blah. And then my husband was retrenched from his job and um, he was, you know, very happy with the work he was doing. He had his own truck, even though he was employed. He was earning, you know, and I was working, so things were looking um, pretty good. Uh, so um, that was, and I reacted I didn't, re I reacted, not, well, it was probably a lot of anxiety and, and all of those things. And um, when it happened, we moved into the other house, new house, or, you know, house with another house we bought. So going from um, having a good job to having uh, no job, although he did get a job back in the, he got a job in the plant and I was working full time, um, but then he wasn't happy. And that's when the drinking, um, I would say, really started to get worse. And um, I was working full time. And um, of course, you know, and I was back by that time. I was working in process work, which was, you know, hard, hard work, but I didn't mind hard work. I've been used to hard work. So pretty um, full on, mining two children and running at home and everything like that. So then he decided to buy another truck. And that, that was really when a lot of problems started um, and, um, and everything that could go wrong um, went wrong. And um, I more or less had a nervous breakdown. Um, well, yeah. I went, I did something silly. Um, I, well, it's part of my story and um, it's IOD by night. And um, I was taken to hospital by my sister because I went to her house and she lived around the corner from me. And I, it was on a condition that I was allowed out that night. I went to her place and um, I had to go to a psychiatrist um, and I went, you know, for a few visits. But I was crying out, which I know today, for help, but I didn't get the, the help. I mean, I told him lots of things that was going on in my life, but um, that, and then I um, struggled on for another couple of years um, before and I, I, I tried and I, I was I was desperate I was always still kept working and um, and that when I had the breakdown oh yeah I, I'd left the job at the factory my husband had got me a job in an office um, and that was I think that was what we between that and the new business we'd started and it was just all too much and um yeah I was still not well in my you know I was reacting to everything and of course by this time what my son was um what my daughter was 15 and my son would have been 20 19 and he was out by this time 
he was drinking and um, he was, you know, went to work and then my daughter also was out and about and um, drinking too. Um, so, you know, and, and what I thought to myself, I thought, oh, my God, this is exactly what I didn't want in my marriage. Uh, it's just the same as what it was at home when I was, when, when I was a young girl. So I had all this stuff going on in my head and um, and I went to doctors and I you know I used to tell them what was you know what was what, what was happening and um, and then when one doctor and I still remember his name to this day told him and he said to me um, I think you need to go to a family therapist and it was through the council I think I took the name down and I did ring um yeah and do it and and then um in meanwhile i had my sister had sent my to this hairdresser and of course i'm telling her all my problems and what was going on in my life and she said i think you need to go to Alanon, which i'd never heard of but i was very interested in okay. That. okay okay awesome we might take another break Tune in to Uprise Radio every first and third Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR. With Jackson and James, we're bringing you the in-depth analysis of what's happening in the world all in just 30 minutes. You can listen live to air or you can find us on demand. 3cr.org.au. Stay tuned. This is the Living Free Show on 3CR on digital radio and live streaming on 3cr.org.au forward slash streaming. And I'm talking with Margaret and we're talking about recovery from the family disease of alcoholism with the help of Alanon family groups. So, Margaret, you heard of Alanon uh, through, was it your sister or her friend? Her um, friend, her friend who was a hairdresser. Yeah. So what did you think Alanon could do? Well, she just said to me, I think you need to go to Al-Anon. And I couldn't, I think she dropped the name down and and, and the, the number or something. And when I got home, I ran. I, look, I was desperate. I, I just, I, like I said, I was interested and I was probably at that stage was, I was willing to give anything a try because if, well, all I wanted, I suppose, you know, of course, all I wanted was for my husband to stop drinking. And um, and then, you know, I rang up head office, so in, it was in the 80s. And then I went to my first Eleanor meeting, yes, on Saturday afternoon, yes. Okay. So what, what was it like to go to a meeting and to hear other people talk about a problem you were having? I was um, never heard people speak um, about their lives and their problem, you know, problem what was going on in their lives, and also how the chairperson chaired the meeting. I think I was just I probably had so many things going on in my head. Um, I and I looked up at the wall and saw the steps and traditions and that, and I thought to myself, "Oh my goodness, I won't be able to do any of this." Um, but I was just taken back by the warmth in those rooms and you know the welcome that I got. Um, and one, the, probably the most, um, what I heard that day was I was not responsible for my husband's drinking. Um, and that's, and you know, the, I spoke, you know, two or three different members that day and they suggested I come back to six meetings, but it was, it was somewhere like, I said I had never 
heard of Al-Anon or AA, um, and, but I'd heard, you know, alcoholics, which the word was quite, you know, people would say, oh, you know, Bill or Joan or something's an alcoholic. It, it didn't really mean much to me, um, you know. I mean, those days, like I said, I've been brought up, you know, like uh, around in the country and then, you know, my dad normally... Well, any men, he never brought a lot of men home from work. Um, but he's if he'd get mixed up with someone who liked a drink, um, but he mainly you know drank at the same hotel. Um, and my brother and him used to, you know, my brother and my dad to drink out in, in the garage at home or you know, in the home, it, it was just the norm, just the norm. Uh, didn't know any um, any different. Uh, that's that's the way it was. So to hear someone get up and speak and about you know being in Al-Anon and what and so many different members and and everybody as we all know we're we're all different and even though the, we come from all our lives are different but the similarities are there. So that was the start of my recovery. They said suggested six meetings. Well I never I never stopped coming. It wasn't easy in the beginning for me to even um, get to a meeting. Um, you know, there was my husband didn't um, sort of well he didn't accept it at first, but um, I continued to go. And um, little, little by little, it, it was not easy in the beginning because I was, it was like I'd stepped out of, you know, I could go to the doctor, I could go to work, I could go and visit, but it sort of um, was something different that I was going to. Um, I didn't, he didn't ask a lot about it, so I didn't speak about, a lot about it because I, I was, like I said, I was not I was a very sick person when I came into the when I came into the rooms of Eleanor. Yeah. Yeah. Um so did it cause any conflict with you you with your husband because of you going to Eleanor? Yes, yes, it did. Um but little by little um things because I was probably well the one who was used to provoke and on his back all the time because my husband was mainly a home drinker uh, and I was on his back about that all the time and I was very anxious and um, suffering from, you know, anxiety and all of those things and... um, and we, he was, you know, he was in, well, he was in business for himself. So it was always stressful. Um, so, yeah, look, it wasn't an easy time, but little by little, and then as the more I learnt, and every week I would go, um, you know, it didn't happen as we, well, I speak for myself, happen overnight um but i just you know tried to practice what i learned like minding my own business and um instead of having a scrowl on my face or you know oh what are you doing now going to the fridge you know um have a smile on my face and ask how his day was and and that took Courage, which I learned in the rooms of Al-Anon um, because I was starting to put the program into practice. And, and it was like for me going back to prep because even though I had loving parents and, you know, they're both past now, but um, and uh, I did love them dearly, both of them. And, um, you know... They did the best they could, and um, you know I, I had no coping skills whatsoever. So I just learned, you know, I just learned from my parents how they struggled through life. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so 
Did it have an impact on your relationship with your children who also drank? Yes, I try. I did take both of them to an adult um, children's meeting. I think they both came one night, but they didn't continue on. Um, I've always had pretty good relationships with my children. My son, he drank, and yes, he was a bit of a rebel too with drinking and cars like a boy and then he became a man. But I started to, again, let go of what they were doing. Um, I was always very close to, like I said, to both of them. My son, he'd also dabbled in marijuana and, uh, yeah, he, you know, had a few relationships. But, um, yeah, he, because he was, I think, more so when he was on with, you know, I didn't really, like, I started to detach from a lot that was going on. And he, I think he moved out when he was 20 or 21. And then the daughter was always at home. Um, the daughter, and then after I'd been in Ellen on a while, and my husband wrote a note one night, I think I know we we'd had a, an argument about something. Yeah, look, there was lots of arguments about you know probably all different things of you know the drinking financially, what the children were doing. But because I was always there for my children, as far as probably may as I know today, not emotionally, but I was there physically for them, um, you know, driving them when my daughter was younger to sport and anything that was on at the school. My husband didn't come, you know, he just didn't want to come or, or things like that, even though he was always, you know, interested with the drink, which I know, you know, the more I learned, um, there was no good nagging. If you don't want to come up to school, you, you don't want to, that's it, and things like that. And um, But, no, look. With the children, um, probably the, our relationships got better um, because I detached and I let go of a lot of what they were doing. Um, and uh, the daughter was still at home till she was 27. But what did happen with my daughter was I'd got off my husband's back and that, but he he would start to what was called probably getting reaction from her, like when he'd had a few drinks around tea time when he'd come home from work and then she would react and then she would go to her room. And that was sad too, you know, but by this time I had learnt enough in Al-Anon and she was getting, you know, 17, 18 and she was working. He always took you know, he knew, you know, at school, like he said, she could leave school as providing she got a job. I think she was 16 or 17 when she left school. She did year five um, at secondary school. My son did year five. I think he went to a tech school. So, yeah, we were always responsible people as far as that, but the drinking was always there. Um, so, yeah, with the children, yeah, I... Like, I was always there for them, no matter what. I went even, you know, my son was in trouble with, you know, he did a drive off or something. I went to court with him. I was in Al-Anon. I was in Al-Anon by that time. Uh, I always supported him. I didn't prove, of course, of what he'd done, but I was always, I was always there for them, yeah. So how long have you been in Al-Anon now? 33 years. Okay. So how do you find your life now, given your kids kids have grown up and how's it changed you and your life? Well, it you know, I mean I I love Ellen on the program. It's I'm a much more relaxed person and I enjoy life. I understand alcoholism is a disease. And um, I can't, I've got no control over it at all. I have a lot of compassion for, I have a brother who, well, call him an alcoholic, and my 
even though he's never sought recovery. He's only, you know, only 13 months difference between him and I. And I have a sister too. I have a lot of compassion for them. Um, I get on with my life today. I mean, you know, very. It's it's difficult at the moment, as we all know. <laughs> We're in a pandemic, but we won't go there. Um, I work hard on the Al-Anon program because it's been a new way of living for me for all those years. Uh, I don't probably don't um, do it perfectly every day, but I do try. I have never stopped coming to my meetings. Um, you know, and I, over the years I've done service work. I've been, you know, lots of anniversaries and all of that. And also I respect myself and not, I will never be a doormat again in my life. I, I've learned, I've got courage, I can speak up about things. I mean, my husband, like I said, has never sought recovery, but he, he's not drinking today, these days. That doesn't mean a lot to me because, as I learned, it was not my business, but that's more due to his health. is uh, not so good these days. But um, it, Al-Anon is for me, and um, it's, you know, given me a lot of insight to life, um, which, you know, um, all of these things, lots of things we've, we've mentioned, but... And I know I have a higher power in my life today because it's been a very up and down journey. But without Al-Anon, um, I wouldn't be the person I am today. I have, you know, a lot of good friends outside of Al-Anon. And, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of compassion and I can detach from a lot of things, um, not to say... I can still get upset about things, but I have the tools of this program to put into practice too and not, um, I would never, never like to go back to where I was many years ago prior to Al-Anon and when I walked through those doors um, because it, it is a devastating disease and, and even my own family and I, you know... Um, the sadness and all the dysfunction that it's caused, it's, you know, it's pretty horrific. Um, yeah. and, and then it's, as we know, it, it goes on. If, and I'm the only one in my family who's ever seeked help. Um, and, you know, I do, my sisters do ask me, one sister did come for a little while, but um, I can't speak highly enough of Alan. Thank you. Thank you. If anybody would like to contact Alan Family Groups, you can phone them on 1300 252 666 or go online at alanon.org.au. That's about all we've got time for today. So I'd like to thank Margaret for joining me and sharing her Alan Family Groups recovery experience with us. Thank you, Margaret. Thank you. Uh, I hope you'll be able to join us again next week when we'll be talking about 12-step recovery again. And thanks for listening. Thank you.